Hello, I am Paul Denniston. I am the creator and founder of Grease Yoga. This practice blends together yoga, movement, breath, and sound to release pain and suffering to connect to more empowerment and love. The title of my book is Healing Through Yoga, Transform Loss into Empowerment. Paul, I loved your book, and I really liked grief expert David Kessler, who is a good friend of yours, talking Mm -hmm. about how you came to start your business. He said, grief lives not only in our hearts and minds, but your work can help us understand that grief also gets stuck in our bodies and our emotions need motion. What a wonderful way to describe grief yoga. You know, when I first started going to yoga, it was really to help deal with my anxiety. Mm -hmm. And when I started to become present in a yoga class, what I realized beneath the anxiety was a lot of suppressed emotion, whether it be anger or sadness or regret. So what I really became clear about was how much we hold on to within our body. And the essence of what yoga is, is creating a space of union, which is connecting the mind and the body to help lift the spirit. So what I wanted to do and create within this practice was really blending together movement, yoga, breath, and sound to take whatever the struggle is, whatever the pain is that we suppress, to learn how to channel it out in empowering ways that can help us to move forward with more love and more purpose. When we are hit with so much a loss, uh, a betrayal, a death, our immediate move seems to be to hide out and and to not feel. And that's the opposite of what's helpful. Well, I got to tell you, I spent many decades trying to run away from the pain. And of course, who wants to be in the pain? Who wants to deal with these challenging emotions? But I'll just speak for my own self personally. What would happen for me is is that I numbed out these challenging emotions through addiction, through drugs, through alcohol. And I wouldn't allow myself to be with the sadness. And yet I held so much sadness within me. And so... It's important to create the space to be in the discomfort, to be in those challenging emotions. But I also believe that healing needs motion. You think about emotion, it's energy in motion. And so when we create like a sacred space and time to allow ourselves to be with what we're feeling inside, it can help to create more happiness and more joy. And, you know, it's interesting, as I've taught this practice, many people suppress these challenging emotions like sadness and anger. But also what can happen, too, is, is we suppress joy. Mm-hmm. And so this is also a practice that really a practice that's not so much about physical flexibility, but more about emotional liberation and recognizing how grief sadness, it doesn't need a lot of time. It just needs dedicated, compassionate time. That's really well said. The medical establishment or even well-meaning friends will try to tell you, here, take a Xanax. It helps momentarily, but then it doesn't really address the problem. And then Mm. sometimes what can happen is, is that the darkness just continues to grow bigger and bigger. And so it's time to just be with it. And it's also an interesting observation how connected the mind and the body is too. Our body reacts to our thoughts and our thoughts 
reacts to our body. It's a connection here. Physical health, mental health, they're connected. And we're also kind of like this bundle of energy. We're reacting sometimes positively with one another and sometimes negatively. Sometimes, let's say we get sick and we're ill. Then our thoughts become very worrisome and we get afraid. And then our body will then tighten up. Or let's say our body tightens up because something traumatic happens to mm-hmm. it. And then our mind goes, oh, no, what's wrong? What's wrong? So what we're trying to do within the space is to develop a compassionate connection for the mind and body to connect, to work well together, to help find unity, to help find healing. I do a a lot of Pilates, and sometimes when I walk into the studio, I'll look at myself in those full-length mirrors that they have everywhere, and I'll see that my shoulders are right under my ears. (laughs) Totally. And it's interesting how we all carry, see, I also identify grief, let's say, as pain, and we all hold pain in our body. Now, I recognize I do too. I got tense shoulders and neck, but other people might hold it differently. Sometimes for people who might have a lot of unresolved grief that lives in the heart, I've noticed too sometimes how the shoulders begin to cave in to protect a wounded oh. heart. Yeah, I see that sometimes it can get stuck even in our throat. Sometimes we have a hard time expressing the pain, the grief, the sadness. And so part of what this practice too is, is I'm using sound the vibration of our voice to allow the sound and the the throat to open up. But also we carry it in our heads. I think that sometimes it's so normal for us to be anticipation of perhaps things to come and we get worrisome or we're in the past and we hold regrets that we might be reflecting on. It can get stuck in our jaw. You know, we might grind our teeth at night our stomach, it's, we process challenging emotions and they can get stuck within our, our stomach, which can cause digestive issues. I've got knots in my stomach. Yeah. The, the hips and the pelvis, they're meant to allow us to have pleasure, but it can also be a lot of suppressed emotions can live right in the hips, especially if we experience sexual trauma. I believe that we all grieve in our own unique way. And we all hold it in our body in our own unique way, too. Your book is full of uh, photos of you, and you're very photogenic. (laughs) (laughs) There are photos of you going through some of these fantastic exercises. And do you have a favorite pose or a favorite exercise that you like to do that gives you relief almost immediately or joy? or? You know, there's one technique. It's called the windmill. Oh. It's where you do it from a standing position and you lift your hands up over your head on your inhale and then you allow your hands to come forward, down by your sides, and then back behind you. Oh. And you can do it standing or when you bring your hands forward, down and back behind you, you can also bend forward. But it's a way that you use movement, breath, and sound to like say, oh, I'm holding, I've got, I'm really anxious, I'm really holding on to a lot right here. It's just a way that you can deepen your breath and you can kind of start to use powerful movement, breath, and sound to kind of release the struggle and the pain. I teach this practice to therapists and counselors, and they say it's very helpful for them to use that technique in between their clients so they can release the feelings of the previous client 
to help them to move forward to the next one. Oh, that makes sense. I like the uh, the releasing the why. <laughs> Could you tell us about that one? I think it's so normal for us to have a primal why when we've experienced deep loss. And here's the truth. We're never going to get a satisfying answer to the why, <laughs> you know, but I got to tell you, it comes up for us. You know, why? Why me? Why him? Why her? Why do I have to deal with this? Right. And so part of the intention within the specific exercise is to release the suppressed emotions so we can just kind of move it through. And literally with releasing the why, I have people just bring their hands right up in front of them and their palms facing them. And they just say the words, why? And sometimes I'll invite people to say, you can lift this up if you'd like towards the sky. And if you want to express anger in this space, why? You can do that too. And it's interesting to see once you get going, it's like, ooh, a lot of the issues in our tissues start to kind of like come up to the surface and it gives it the space to use that movement, breath and sound to just, just say why. I guess some of your clients could wail why, <laughs> but I could imagine it could end one of two ways. You could just flip out or you could end in laughing. <laughs> Why? (laughs) (laughs) And if that's what comes out, then that's great. I mean, all we're looking for here is is a way to just use movement, breath, and sound to to find liberation. And it's interesting that it's correct. So let's say with the releasing the why. Sometimes people can go with it and they are angry. Mm. And sometimes people are are deeply sad as they do it. And sometimes people find it funny. There's another technique that I'll do, and it's called pounding out. And it's literally where someone will bring a pillow out in front of them, and they will just pound on the pillow. Sometimes they'll even say as they're pounding on the pillow, why, why? (laughs) And here's the interesting thing. Everybody reacts differently. Sometimes people are, like, in their rage and, you know, like, deep betrayal they've experienced. They're just pounding it out. And some people are just pounding it out and laughing and, like, why, why? So... (laughs) You know, whatever your authentic reaction is, is perfect. It's just a place to take whatever is suppressed and move it through. It seems that after you uh, get your fill of uh, releasing the why, you could go to my other favorite, which is wisdom. Well, yeah. And it's a reflection of after you've said the why, maybe the reflection within wisdom is is now how. Mm -hmm. How do I move forward? How do I find meaning after this loss? How can I be more gentle with myself when I'm struggling and in pain? After the why, that primal why can start to get expressed, then to reflect on your intuition, then now now how? How do I move forward? And wisdom is you're flat on the mat, correct? Wisdom poses where you're completely lying down on your mat and you allow your forehead to rest with your your palms are just right in front of your head and you kind of like just rest your forehead on your palms and it's just take a moment where you breathe yeah breathe you can do wisdom pose sometimes you can also even from that place go into a child's pose to yeah. where you just ground yourself down and mm-hmm. find restoration i was curious about the alternate nostril breathing alternate nostril breathing was a technique that i learned in kundalini yoga 
that really brings a sense of balance, both within the left nostril and the right nostril. So breathing in and out through the left nostril allows us to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which creates a space of rest and digest. Let's say if you are feeling overwhelmed and anxious, if you just close off your right nostril and breathe in and out through the left nostril, it is meant to calm. Now, let's say you're feeling a little bit, you have no energy and you are just looking to find ways to find motivation. Breathing in and out through the right nostril brings energy to you. And now, in yoga, we create a sense of balance, right? What this is doing, alternate nostril breathing, it's the technique that you're breathing back and forth through the right and the left nostril. To kind of like be specific with it, the way that you do it is, is that you would literally close off your right nostril and then you would inhale through your left nostril and then close the left nostril and then exhale out the right nostril Okay. and then inhale through the right nostril, close the right nostril and then exhale and inhale fully through the left nostril. And you would just continue to go back and forth. And sometimes people are like, I'm getting a little lost with this. Where, what am I, where, which nostril am I breathing <laughs> <Yeah>. out? But the, <laughs> I'm lost. The technique and the, the way to do it is, is any time you exhale out of one specific nostril, then you close that nostril, yeah. open the alternate nostril, mm-hmm. and then inhale fully, exhale fully. And then whenever you exhale fully from one nostril, you close that nostril yeah. and then open the alternate nostril and then you you repeat. And then you get dizzy and you fall over. (laughs) I'm just kidding. How long would you suggest doing that for maximum benefit? Uh, You know, if you're able to do that for like five to seven minutes, it's amazing to see the shifts that happen. But I also recognize even just doing it for like, let's say a minute or two minutes or something like that, you'll already start to see benefits from it. And to think about even just what that is, just a way Mm -hmm. of meditating. Mm -hmm. And the importance of meditation is to help to quiet the chaos in the mind. The meditation that that is, I think of it as like the monkey mind, right? The monkey mind is jumping from thought to thought, branch to branch, and there's a kind of like a craziness. And so within that, it's just giving the space to like, I'm going to focus on my breath right now. In doing so, it allows the mind to quiet down. It's just a form of meditation. And I, you know, within this book, There's many ways to meditate. That's a specific one where you can sit and do it. But I also recognize that just even in this yoga experience itself, it's a moving meditation. So there are many forms of meditation that can really serve you. But from my interpretation of what meditation is, it's really about observing the breath, knowing that, hey, the thoughts are going to continue. My mind is going to race and I acknowledge it. But right now I'm going to just focus on my breath just continue to focus on the breath and maybe even to notice and get and explore about sensations in the body as you notice your breath. I was struck in going through your book and thinking about getting into the practice of yoga or anything really. You have something that takes you out of yourself while also dealing with what you're in. What it does is it creates a little bit of a pattern change. I think that pattern changes 
can be helpful when we're struggling, when we're in grief and loss. It's a, it's a bit of a shift that happens that I think is what we need. Now, that shift can happen by saying, I'm going to take a, a short period of time to do something that's meditative or, or mm-hmm. something that's physical. And what will happen is whatever is beneath the surface is going to start to become addressed. And sometimes I get people who are like, I don't want to go there because I'm afraid I'm never going to come out. I'm afraid that it's going to be too much for me or overwhelming for me. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're already holding on to it. You know, mm-hmm. people are like, "Ooh, I don't want to go into that class because it's going to take me into my pain. But the truth of the matter is the pain is already inside of you. This is a space where we create a little bit of a, a compassionate space to say, I recognize my pain. I know that it's in my body. And this pain demands expression. This pain needs to be released. So instead of judging the pain, can I get curious about the pain? Can I get curious about what is it that I have gone through and experienced? Where is it living in my body? And then to start to have an experience where we find a sense of connection, mind and body, that can help us to then be able to lift the spirit. Well, you answered that perfectly. Thank you so much for interpreting my <laughs> nonsense and gobbledygook. But um, I, I got your gobbledygook. <laughs> I don't think I've ever used gobbledygook in a sentence before. I just want you to know. How would you say you could be most helpful to loved ones that might be going through a rough patch with grief, and especially a few? things that you maybe shouldn't do or shouldn't say to make their situation worse? You don't want to start any sentence off with at least, you know, (laughs) oh, at least, at least they're not sick anymore. Right. You know, at least they died quickly, you know, Mm -hmm. at least. Anytime that you say at least, you're minimizing their pain. You're, You're judging, you're trying to help them to see the silver lining. And so sometimes maybe you're like, I don't know what to say to them. Perhaps the thing when a loved one is experiencing that is is to maybe even just say, I don't know what the right words are. I just want you to know I'm here with you. I love you. And maybe I don't know what this is like for you, but I'm willing to walk next to you or sit with you or be with you. That's excellent. That, uh, That That's perfect. So grief yoga, you were talking about how you train therapists. Yeah, so I have a membership that I that I do in which oh. uh, it's called uh, Spark. And this is where I offer grief yoga classes and other classes using movement, breath, and sound. And what we do each month is, is we take a specific theme. We have a month that's called Transforming Anxiety. And then it's a place where we really get curious about what is this anxiety about? And then we go into a deeper place of how can we move through it? How can we tap into more courage? How can we channel and release the struggle and the pain and the fear and the worry out with the intention to take us to the other side, which the other side, see, I'm, it's, it's really about addressing the pain, not bypassing the pain, but right. to use it as fuel. But then what we want to do to get to the other side is maybe to come to a more deeper place of, of appreciation, of love, of play, of meaning, 
So really finding an embodied practice that helps us to go deep into these specific areas, but also recognizing how um, it's important to address the pain and it's also important to learn how to take a break. So whether it be through, through, through laughter, through dance, there's a space where it's like, I'm going to be with my sadness, but also happiness is my birthright too. I'm a big believer that, that sadness and joy can be friends, that they can coexist, that they, they, they each have their own purpose. And uh, I believe that anger and purpose can live together too. So it's really integrating all of the different colors of who we are and embodied movement practice that can help us to find more meaning in life. How can uh, someone who's interested access Spark? Uh, griefyoga.com is oh, where okay. I, that's where I live, griefyoga.com, and you can find information about Spark there. Okay, great. Now, do you do workshops or, or have you uh, segued mainly to Zoom now? Or yeah, it's online? So interesting. You know, I was always teaching like in person. And yeah. then when the pandemic hit, it's just like, it's really important on how to adapt during this time. And so a lot of my teachings have been online and I will continue to do that. But I just started branching out and teaching in-person things too. So uh, it's so nice to be able to connect. Yeah, both, yeah. I do teach workshops right now. Majority of more of my stuff is, is an online presence, but uh, I love doing both. 